You're listening to the Weekend Collective Podcast from Newstalk ZB. Very good afternoon to you if you've just joined us. I'm Tim Beveridge. This is the Weekend Collective, and this is the Health Hub. Uh, if you've missed the previous hour on politics, uh, we had an interesting dis- discussion with Graham Edgler, who's a barrister and electoral law e- expert, just around EMMP and um, you know the, the waiting around for Winston, etc. But his argument was that we should be reducing uh, the, the percentage that you need to get into Parliament, which should actually not create the problems that we might think it might create. And also, um, quite an illuminating discussion with international law expert from the uh, University of Sydney Law School, Ben Saul, around just the legal position of what's going on with Israel and Gaza and Hamas and all that. So you can check that out by going to wherever you get your podcasts, um, which I suggest should be uh, iHeartRadio and look for the Weekend Collective. But right now, it's time for the Health Hub. And joining me is, well, she has a book. Um, she's got almost about to have two books, actually. Um, the first one being on menopause called This Changes Everything. Uh, it's been out for a little while now. It's Nikki Bazant. Hello, Nikki. How are you? Hi, Tim. I am okay. I've been better. <laughs> <laughs> You've been, well, you know, fair to, I always find a good response when you're not rocking and rolling. It's just to say my favorite one is fair to middling. People don't yeah. really know what to do with it. <laughs> No, I am fair to middling. It's fair to say I've got COVID, which I've, is really annoying. Uh, how long is it? How long have you had it for? I this is day seven now. I think um, mm. so. Uh, yeah, I'm just. I have never had it before. Oh, <laughs> I, okay. I was under the illusion that I was immune, but it turns out I've got caught up in this latest wave of COVID that's out there. And uh, yeah, here I am. I'm, oh, I'm feel- sorry. Carry on. I, 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 <laughs> I'm feeling uh, okay, but just extremely fatigued. The fatigue is really getting me. Yeah, what you have an afternoon nap sort of thing. You'll be having a nap after this, won't you? Just absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My life is just like measured in the gaps between naps at the moment. <laughs> the gaps. That sounds like a topic for a book. The gaps between naps. I know. Uh, <laughs> anyway, just stick. Just write that down. Uh, that's for book number three. Yeah. Um, Oh, do, when you mean you were under the impression that you were immune, you mean just in a casual sense, like, ha ha, I've never caught it. I'm amazing. Yeah. yeah, I was one of those people who had never had it. And I thought, oh, perhaps I have had it. And I've just not noticed. You know, I was one of those people, um, Yeah, which is, I suppose, still possible. But turns out, uh, no, it, I understand that even with the, even with all of the boosters and things which I have had, uh, we can still be susceptible. There's variants all out there all the time. So just, you know, take care, people. Yep, get the jab, get vaccinated. And don't text me, people, by the way, the anti-vaxxers. I mentioned vaccines. Don't text me. Uh, it's not part of the discussion today. Um, but anyway, well, not, nice to have you on the show anyway, Nikki. And um, hey, um, the, now the second book that you're working on, because I keep forgetting exactly what, because the, I got the, the title right for the first one. This changes everything, isn't it? 
Yes, um, that's correct. And the next one, what stage are we at with the second book? Uh, we are editing at the moment, so it's uh, moving along slowly, glacial pace. But yeah, it's going to be ready to be out in April. Yeah. And so it's, does it have a title? It doesn't quite have a title yet. We're just working on the title. Okay. Yeah. And what's but it is about, it's about healthy aging. So it's it's a step along from the menopause book. It's talking about how to be healthy for women, uh, how to be healthy for the rest of your life, really. All the things that we need to look at to be as well as we can be for that last or that last, that next stage. <laughs> That's a better way to put it, isn't it? The next stage. Um, yeah. Because the last yeah. stage does sound a little bit too, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, we are going to be, we are going to be post-menopausal for the biggest chunk of our life, right? Mm. Of any chunk, of any stage of our life, we're going to be post-menopausal for the longest, probably 30, 40, 50 years. So it's actually really important to be, thinking about how we want our health to be during that time. Do you think there's um do you think there's a lot less stigma around menopause these days? I was the reason I was not 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 the only reason because you and I've discussed menopause quite a bit but I was watching I've been watching a program on Netflix called Sex Education which is open about a it's very open about a whole lot of issues. Mm, uh, I mean, and it addresses menopause and things and um, you just get the sense that actually, I mean, maybe it's because I've just come off that and where issues are really out in the open and people talk so honest, honestly about anything that they're worried about from a sexual point of view, but also menopause uh, pops up in postnatal depression, a whole lot of things. Um, but do you think, long-winded way of asking the question, is there still a stigma attached to discussions around menopause or do you think actually, you know what, not really, because naively I would say that we've come a hell of a long way. I agree. I think we have come a long way. I think it has definitely in the process of changing now. There's been a real change in the last couple of years. Um, I'll take some small credit for that, but there's also so many other people talking about this in the in the in the public realm, you know, it was a lot more conversation about it. As women of my generation are hitting this stage, I think. And actually speaking up now about something that's not been spoken about in the past before ever. So I think that it's it's going to be different for the next generations coming through. Absolutely. And it's it's just in that real sea change process at the moment, I reckon. Yeah. What about, um, I guess, because a lot of celebrities are talking about it now, but how is, I guess on the whole, that's helpful, isn't it? But there are a lot of people who are also jumping on the bandwagon of um, because we'll see probably remedies. I mean, there are always people claiming to have a remedy for this and a remedy for that. Um, how cautious should be people be about reading about celebrities and their accounts of how they're approaching menopause and things like that? Is it useful just from the point of view that they're discussing it? Um, what's your take on that? Yeah, there's a couple of things there. I think it is it is good that celebrities are talking about it because they're raising awareness. You know, they have got big platforms and big audiences and they are talking about something that every woman is going to go through. So it's really great that we've got really prominent women like Oprah and, you know, Drew Barrymore and all these people talking about menopause. Uh, I think that's really wonderful, actually. Uh, the other side of it is that, of course, where you've got where you've got a hot topic, you've got marketing, you've got marketers coming in on the back of that and looking to make money. And of course, that happens 
with everything as well. Mm. And I've seen this, you know, because I've worked in the world of nutrition for a long, long time. I've seen it all before, all this kind of stuff. You know, there's always going to be marketers who are well ahead of the science in any particular area with a, with a, as you say, with a cure or with a solution to the problem, whatever the problem is perceived to be. Uh, and so that's there is definitely a need to be cautious there because, of course, you know, not everything that gets marketed at women and, and midlife women is a powerful group of consumers too, which marketers have obviously identified now. Um, whatever gets marketed, not everything that gets marketed at us is backed by science and, and actually evidence-based and, and, and going to be effective. So there's a lot to be wary of. For sure. Uh, um, and, and when you said that the marketers are ahead of science, you just, you, uh, that's obviously just from a timing point of view, not in terms of a knowledge point, knowledge point of view. Uh, it's in, a, in terms of a claims point of view often. Oh, you know, yeah. Marketers are claiming things that are well ahead of where the science is at a lot of the time. Well, so what um, – do you think the celebrity endorsements of so-called diets and, and treatments for this and that, are they still – are they still? Do we still trust them as naively as we have in days gone by? Oh, I guess these days it's not so much an infomercial on TV; it's more your influencers. Somebody be on TikTok yeah. saying, "Oh my goodness, I've been trying this latest product and it's really helped my whatever condition they're suffering from." Yeah, I do think we do trust a lot of that stuff, and I think it's not just that we trust celebrities and influencers; we trust other people's sort of testimonials too. Those are really powerful, you know. Like I see a lot of products aimed at perimenopause and menopause and women that have you know all these testimonials from from regular women as they say um talking about how great this product is and that can be very powerful on social media i think even when it's not you know it's not evidence-based or it's or it's made up or whatever mm. it's impossible to tell as a consumer and it's very easy to get kind of um sucked into some of that stuff what sort of things have you noticed that pop up when it comes to the issue of menopause? Because you know it is the, now that it, I mean that's that's the side the side effect, isn't it, or the unintended consequence? So here we have people like um, yourself who've have written books about it, trying to give people really good information about what menopause is and having a discussion about it. But of course, the success of that discussion means that all of a sudden the marketers can climb in there with this claim or that claim. What are the sort of yeah. things? What, what's what have you observed in that? in that realm oh there's everything that you can think of really there's tons of diets there's diet plans there's 12-week programs there's um lots of lots and lots of supplements and just general kind of you know miracle products that are that are going to solve all the solve all the problems of menopause which uh is a red flag really we should we should understand that there's not one solution for everything and it's a complex menopause and perimenopause is a complex sort of um array of symptoms and it's really not just one thing that's gonna that's gonna solve that yeah so there, there is no such thing as a magic pill unfortunately actually the 12 week program what well maybe we shouldn't give it any credence by mentioning it but i was sort of thinking well that's fundamentally flawed already because um, peri menopause, perimenopause can last, what is it? What's the time for perimenopause? Is it, is it a oh, defined period of time or it's just? No, it's very individual. It can be between two and 10 years. So <laughs> it's really different depending on the woman. Yeah. I mean, and so what would your advice be to people who <laughs> see all this social media? What is the best? Pl I mean, obviously you have a book which you've written about it. So you would say, well, you could read my book, but obviously, <laughs> um, what is the what are the best ports of call 
for people who want to get good information, uh, for instance, when it comes to menopause? Yeah, I mean, proceed with caution is what I would say when you see all that stuff. And and just be wary of everyone trying to sell you things. I mean, of course, I've got a book to sell as well, but um, I will I will say that I'm not getting rich off the back of that no. based on, you know, not compared to what people are making out of, you know, supplements and programs and courses and things. Um, so, yeah, I, I would just be careful when you're looking at stuff, particularly on social media, just interrogate what is this person actually selling me? Like, are they trying to sell me something? And if the answer is yes, then just be careful and proceed with caution there um, because that, that's their job is to sell you things. It's not to necessarily help you, uh, empower you with information or help you feel better. Yeah. Um, so if you'd like to give us a call, I mean, how do you, and it doesn't need to be necessarily about menopause because there are a lot of things that make claims for men's health as well to deal with loss of libido and all sorts of things. Um, all the conditions that we face as human beings, how do you discern or where do you go to get your information? And um, does a celebrity endorsement make much of a difference when it comes to your approach to things? Um, give us a call on 0800 And um, have you ever fallen for a scam on a health thing? Um, on a health thing. Gosh, that's such a clumsily worded way of putting it, <laughs> isn't it? But when it comes to getting good information on issues to do with your health that really matter to you, where do you, how do you spot the scams from the good information? And uh, if you've got any questions in particular, we've got Nikki Bizant with us, who has um, her book, This Changes Everything, in particular, is about menopause. But if you've got any questions, um, give us a call on 0800 801080. But the supplementary question of this whole conversation is, do you think now that it is much easier for us to talk about a whole range of issues, which up until maybe the last five, ten years have been things that we've often kept to ourselves simply because of the stigma associated with it. Uh, I don't think I'm speaking out of line when I said there has, you know, until recently been quite a strong stigma um, associated with menopause that has meant that people haven't want to talk about it. There are other men's issues where there's a stigma, but of course the advent of Viagra and the blue pill has meant that maybe more men are talking about the issues that they're trying to address with that. Are you more, are you more relaxed talking about your own health issues? Because I reckon we are. Although, as I say, there are probably a couple of things I can think of I wouldn't want to talk about. So maybe. Anyway, give us a call. 0800 80 10 80, uh, text 9292. This is the Health Hub uh, with Tim Beveridge, the Weekend Collective. Nikki Bazant is my guest. We'll be back in just a moment. 21 and a half past four. News Talk ZB, this is the Health Hub on the Weekend Collective. My guest is Nikki Bazant, who's, um, we appreciate her coming through to us on the Zoom because she's just um, trying to shake off that last positive test of COVID. Um, but yeah, we're talking about menopause, among other things, but also how, how much do you rely on celebrity endorsements when it comes to health issues? Because I always think, to be honest, my take is the last thing I would ever do is trust a celebrity endorsement. I don't care who they are, because they're, unless they're famous, for curing cancer or something, I'm not really going to listen to them on on their take of cancer. So my take is never trust a celebrity and show no interest in what they have to say because who cares? Um, is that too harsh, Nikki? <laughs> well, no. I mean, you know, everyone has their own opinion about about their favourite celebrity, mm. but some people really do love their, you know, whoever the person is, and. I can mm. see how they can be very influential. But of course, you know, if, if it comes to 
making a com- putting a conversation in the public domain so we feel more comfortable talking about it, then great. Yeah, good on you, um, yeah. Oprah or whoever. Uh, yeah. Right, let's take some calls. So, Carol, good afternoon. Oh, hi, um, Mickey and Tim. Um, Mickey, you are suffering from fatigue at the moment, and I've got chronic um, cognitive and physical fatigue. And I was wondering um, if you've got any ideas how to help that. Uh, Well, chronic fatigue is its own really unfortunate thing. And I'm really sorry to hear that, Carol, that you're suffering with it. I don't really have any specific advice for you that you probably haven't been given from hopefully the the medical experts who are looking after you on it. I know what I have been told about recovering from COVID, which is rest, 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 and uh, don't push anything. And that's, you know, that's really about all I can say, not being a not being a doctor, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So Nikki's a, a journalist and a writer, Carol, so not a doctor, so she can't give you a specific medical advice. How long have you struggled with, um, with fatigue? Um, about 11 years. And, and who, who, where have you sought? to get help from it? Um, doctors and neurologists. Um, I test the truck and I'm on um, strong pain need, which I think causes it. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. Uh, that, yeah. I, I Nikki was a dietitian and could recommend stuff. Probably not. I, know she, I don't think Nikki would be comfortable giving any specific um, advice on, oh, I mean, apart from just eat a, as healthy a diet as you can, I don't know what you can offer on that one, Nikki. Thanks, Carol. Uh, Nikki, sorry, no, yeah, it's it's a little bit out of baby on my pay grade, to be honest. That's all right. Um, right, let's take some more calls. Um, I think I know what Chris is going to talk about. It might be your pet topic, uh, Nikki. Uh, <laughs> I say that ironically. Chris, g'day. G'day, man. How you going? Good. Just quickly before I get on to menopause, um, I hope your show went well, mate. Oh, it was great. Um, yeah, they had a great time. Very good. All good. Made heaps of money. I bet you worked your bum off. I but... did. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> anyway. Mate. From, from what I've heard of it and clips and stuff, it seemed really good. I didn't get a chance to see it, but... Cheers. Thanks, well Chris. No, all good. I've, I've just um, recovered. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work, isn't it? My yeah. wife used to do um, stuff like that, and, and I used to have to hang around backstage. Oh, <laughs> lucky you. <laughs> was, Stage long. door Johnny. Stage door Chris. Okay, what's, what, what did you want to ask around the menopause question? Um, I think you guessed it already. Uh it, I find it slightly frustrating personally that, um, and I completely understand the reasoning, but just um, you'll find guests' opinion, a lot of it seems to be female-focused. And Are you asking about male menopause? Yes, and what her... Are they basically... I know they're different... um, I can't remember the term for it. One's estrogen, one's I'm not the other sh- one. I'd, actually, I guess the question is, I mean, uh, Nikki will have had a look at this, but uh, so you're saying that there's too much, of an, you're suggesting that there's a lot of discussion about women's menopause, but what about men's menopause? Would that be a fair way to reframe your question? Whether, in her experience, I mean, I, I don't even know if she's looked at it, but whether it's the same thing, whether, oh. whether it affects people the different sexes in the same way, whether it's uh, any studies have gone into the male side of things. Mm, okay. Whether... Yeah, okay. I'll throw that to Nikki. Look, I, th- I think 
I, I mean, I can answer this because we've talked so much that, I mean, menopause mm-hmm. by definition is really a woman's issue because it's defined by the last your last period, really, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, there is there is such a thing as andropause, right, which is what I think. Oh, um, andropause, okay, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm, so I've forgotten this caller's name, but this is what he's referring to. Chris. They are, Chris, sorry, they are really different things, Chris. Um, women with Menopause for women is a very turbulent time. And it's a very hormone. It's a it's characterized by hormonal turbulence, and it's that it's that uh, up and down, up and down of estrogen in particular as we head towards that last menstrual period, and it is uh, it is in quite a defined time period, and 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 quite t- um, troublesome for many women. With men, the hormonal decline is not the same. It's not turbulent it's not sudden it is very slow over a long period of time usually and so that's is that's that with a decrease in testosterone i mean the male hormones yeah so so we are driven by different hormones men are driven by um by androgens and women are driven by by estrogen yeah, we have testosterone as well we, we each have all of the hormones but the but the dominant hormone for women is estrogen and um it's just a completely different scenario. So for men, you you tend not to get severe symptoms or anything like that because it's happening over a long, long period of time, not over um, a short and turbulent amount of time. So it is, but it is. As, I mean, men. I guess it's difficult to have it in the same conversation in the same sort of realm. But but men do have um, declining levels of testosterone, and for some some of them, it actually has quite a marked um, effect on the on their sense of well being among other things, yeah, yeah. Sex yeah. Drive. These, are, these are powerful hormones for both men and women. They are powerful hormones that, that affect, you know, every system in the body. So they they have a lot of impacts when they're not functioning mm. uh, in the way that we're used to, for sure, yeah. That ties in actually to a text, and I, I, I'll, I'll sort of paraphrase it. Um, it says it seems to be a battle of the sexes when it comes to health issues sometimes. Um, and it refer, the text refers to the fact that uh, for instance, prostate cancer has about double the death rate of breast cancer. I guess is that an issue that we? I mean, every every disease there are advocates who adv- advocate for their their side of things. But do you think men are falling short when it comes to promoting some of the issues that they have? I mean, the stat that I saw for um, prostate cancer was twelve point eight deaths per hundred thousand versus six. Uh, for breast cancer now both serious really issues and we all have men and women in our lives that we love and we don't want to get any sort of cancer but do you think that we on the back of that comment do we have a problem with trying to balance our advocacy for different conditions nikki i don't know if i can really answer that you know i think it's a shame when any uh condition is not being um not being it's not visible yeah and awareness is low, but that, I mean, you could say that of so many things, right? I mean, I mean, breast cancer is not the main killer of women. Um, is that cervical that, cancer? Is it? No, it's heart disease. Oh God! Oh well, that's everyone, isn't it? That's everyone, but women often don't know that heart disease is the biggest killer of women. Um, you know, there's there's several things ahead of breast cancer on that list, and I would likewise for prostate cancer for men, it's the same thing. You know, more men are going to die of bowel cancer than they are of prostate cancer by a long shot, I would say. Um, so we have a, I think we have slightly distorted view of what is, what is important or what's going to kill us. Honestly, um, I think we probably need to 
raise awareness of some quite mundane, what we would see as mundane issues that we don't think about, but which are far more likely to impact us in general. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. wasn't sure how to turn that into a question that people could call on because yeah, I, I, mean, I, ha- I hate the idea that people think that they have uh, – I don't like the idea that there's any sort of – I don't believe there is any battle of the sexes that goes on because we all have men and women in our lives. We want to be healthy and, and surely the main thing is to just be aware of the all the diseases that can, um, that can affect us. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. And, you know – I mean, I will say that women's health has been, uh, you know, minimised and not focused on for decades and decades mm. and decades, you know. I mean, and your listeners will know this, that might, that a lot of the research on health until very, very recently was done solely on men. And so there's a lot, we've got a lot of catching up to do in terms of women's health um, to, to get to the level of knowledge and understanding that we have about things to do with men. So, you know, but I don't think it's a competition. You know, I don't think no. we're. I don't think we're focusing on women's health at the expense of men's health. I Honestly, think I, maybe that's the question that that texters are alluding to: is is are yeah. we at danger of focusing on one and ignoring the other? But I, 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 I don't think so. I must say, to to me, I've thought actually that prostate cancer. There is quite a lot of awareness out of the, around that anyway. Um, yeah, so that sort of it's. I mean, it's a surprise. I didn't realize it killed so many when I looked at the stats. Mm. But um, yeah. I guess the question is. I mean, I think women are probably better at talking about these things than men. But men are probably getting better at talking about their health issues, aren't they? Do you think? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I you do want to want to talk to a male health advocate about that one, really. <laughs> I think hopefully men are getting better because they need to, and especially in a lot of a lot of areas like bowel cancer is one. Um, you know where where we are embarrassed to talk about it and and don't seek help as early as women sometimes do, and that's why women tend to you know that's one of the reasons why they say that women do live longer than men is because we are better at yeah uh, addressing symptoms when they come up. Um, actually, what are the biggest pro- health problems we've got? Is it heart disease and and bowel cancer? Are those the two big ones? I mean, I, uh, I'm sorry, that's an unfair question because that's not what we're here for. But I suddenly realised. Yeah, no, I mean, there's there's a big list of things that that are. Um, I mean, we've got heart disease, which is which is up there um, in terms of, and and then lung cancer is a, still a huge one for Kiwis. Yeah. Okay. And, I, you know, and look, we'll, we'll take a quick uh, we'll take a quick moment. And we'll come back in just a tick. It is uh, twenty three minutes to five. News Talk ZB. The the broad question uh, we've been talking about, which starts from a question around menopause, just simply because um, um, the, the 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 issue that's arisen now is a lot of celebrities are climbing in on the issue of menopause, which until recently was a, an issue that no one really wanted to talk about, but now, but everyone is. How do you discern? fact from fiction when it comes to getting good advice on a condition like condition that's the right word like that's the right word for it uh, on things like menopause where do you get your good advice from and are you do you think that celebrities have anything to offer in this d- discussion because for me maybe a little bit that they at least they get the conversation going but when it comes to advocating what the solutions are you should steer well away from it um all right hundred eighty ten eighty text 9292 this is the weekend collective news talk zb just coming up to 22 minutes to five when you get back home, maybe I'll be gone. Everywhere you go, always take the weather with you. Everywhere you go, 
Welcome back to the Weekend Collective. I'm Tim Beveridge. This is the Health Hub with Nikki Bizant. Um And we're talking, well, not specifically menopause, but it always crops up because that is um, a book that uh, Nikki has written on called This Changes Everything. Uh, her next book is actually about get just aging um, and getting older. I think that's due out next year sometime around April, isn't it, Nikki? Yes, yeah. yeah. April. Um, actually, you've got a th- something coming out in the listener today, I think, isn't it, uh, around... Um, supplements, which ties into that whole thing about, you know, w- what genuine assistance can you get from advice that's being promoted by marketers and celebrities? But what's what's the piece in the listener that's about supplements that you've written? Yeah, so it's on the if you if you see the listener today, it's on the cover. Uh, it is about the I sort of wanted to have a look at the top ten supplements, or actually, I think we only got to seven in the piece because I ran out of space. But but the main supplements that Kiwis are into. Yeah. Uh, that we purchase and which ones are effective and which ones kind of are a bit lacking on the evidence front and also kind of how the claims work on supplements because a lot of you you, you will have seen a lot of sort of quite vague language when oh, it comes to sense of well-being and um yeah or supports immunity or yes, this kind of stuff. It's, yeah supports good health well so does a glass of water yeah, so I was wanting to have a look at that. So I, I have talked to a couple of, uh, to a few experts in the, in the area and uh, kind of delved into the, the ins and outs of the slightly murky world of supplements sometimes, yeah. Oh, because there was that, um, there's just been the news about that Arepa, um, which was supposed mm. to be the brain supplement. Uh, and it, that actually looks like um, a case where these guys who promote it have found something that they really believe in and they are trying to do something where they where they say the science is behind it, but it looks like the science is not supporting them. Um, and that, and and I mean, how would you? That's the thing. The language around it was that one of the ones you looked at, by the way. Uh, no, well, the, arepa, which is the drink, is actually it's kind of gets into tricky um, labeling legislation, actually, because arepa was actually a supplemented food, or is actually a supplemented food, not a dietary supplement, and they're, they're actually governed by different different rules oh, okay <laughs> so in fact the supplementary foods which is what that is um are um governed by the via nz food safety and so they are allowed to make pe- supplemented foods are allowed to make specific claims about what their benefits are and i think that what they got in trouble about was making claims that were not fully in line with that okay when it comes to dietary supplements so things in pill form usually okay yep yep it's um it's a little bit looser but also kind of more strict it's they can't say this supplement does has this benefit they're not allowed to make a claim of a of an actual therapeutic effect which is why you get that sort of vague language on things like you know supports immunity or may may um you know the language is is vague yeah. So the, the, there's actually a new act which has been which was passed um, a couple, few months ago, which yeah. will therapeutic products bill. Yeah. But it's not coming into effect until 2026. So we're in this kind of limbo at the moment where we're still under the old rules, and you'll still continue to see those quite vague claims on products, and, and no one really likes it. You know that the the manufacturers of the supplements don't like it because they would like to be able to make claims of benefit. Yeah. They can't. Um, and consume, for consumers, it's just tricky because you don't really know that what's in this product is oh. what they say it is. So is it like even if you had a product 
under some legislation, if you've had a product which you thought that which you think you could show the science says that shows a particular benefit, simply because of the legislation, you're not allowed to because of what sort of product it is. So the legislation is not fit for purpose. It's not really fit for purpose. And as one of the um, industry advocates said to me, it was it was dates back to the eighties when the most complicated thing on the shelf was you know like a multivitamin maybe and a do you remember Halloborange or something like that you know or Barocca. There, oh. there was it was sort of the 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 gist of it and now we've got a lot more kind of sophisticated supplements i guess you could say and there are a lot of manufacturers who would like to be able to say more about the benefits that they that they believe that their products do have um so there's that and there's also kind of no one checking that that your supplements have what they say in them or that they do what they say they do so it's a really tricky kind of a scenario that we're in where we're sort of just trusting um, to me, it always falls back to that if you've got a good balanced diet, then you're fine. Then just ignore it all. But did you find, I mean, it's it's in print now, so you probably can talk about a few of the things. Uh, was was there any supplement you looked at and went, oh, actually, not bad. Well done, you. <laughs> um, I mean, I, yeah, I talked to a couple of dietitians who are experts in this, in this area, and both of them absolutely stressed to me that, uh, that it is – no point there's no point taking supplements if you haven't got the basics in place of a really good diet right so you try and get your nutrition from food as much as you possibly can and then as one said to me that the supplements are like the sprinkles on the sunday you know you've got your ice cream which is your which is your good quality food and then once you've got that you can you can sprinkle in supplements that may help and it's very specific depending on your situations but some things that are that are useful potentially um include omega-3 which uh if you're not a fish not a big fish eater then that would be something that you might want to look at Uh, and there's some good evidence around that being useful how would you discern which omega-3 supplement would be good for you for instance because they all say they will all make be making the same claims Um, yeah um i guess one thing to look for is that it's third party tested because um what can happen Mm. with omega-3 supplements is that they can be oxidized which you don't want, um, but you won't know until you've bought it that it's that it's oh, yeah. So something that's got a quality assurance from a third party, as it, you know, is a good is a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, I've got a question here on the menopause. Uh, hi Tim, what suggestions does Nikki have for exercising um, through menopause? Does the evidence, or does she believe? I'll put, I'll rephrase it. Does the evidence suggest mm. that we need to increase protein uh, and lifting weights? Yes, um, that is absolutely uh, advisable. So if you are hitting this stage, and, and I, even if you were before, if you're you know, a bit younger, get into the habit now of doing some strength training is really, really valuable because we lose muscle uh, at an accelerated rate through perimenopause, unfortunately. It's because we have estrogen receptors in our muscles. Yeah. And uh, when we lose when we lose that estrogen, we we lose the ability to maintain and build muscle mass. And so, if we're doing strength training, that is really really valuable for helping us to maintain and build muscle. So um so doing some heavier strength training is is really really good. So working to failure, lifting heavier weights if you can, and then main uh, sort of supporting that with protein intake a bit more than perhaps what we had thought we might need or a bit more than we needed when we were younger Mm. Um, and yeah and and just keeping that protein intake up so that we're helping to to build the muscle i suppose that actually that advice applies to anyone as they get older really doesn't it um 
as yeah. well. Um, if you're getting old, which will probably be covered in your in your next book. Um, what about sex drive for people who are worried about declining sex drive with menopause? Is that just a natural consequence of menopause, or something you can actually do something about? It is a consequence. Yeah, it is a consequence of menopause because again, if we're losing estrogen and we're also losing testosterone, which is um, which is again a component of of libido and sex drive. So, a lot of women find that that does happen, and it's quite distressing because you know you you've maybe had a had a good sex life your whole life and you've enjoyed that aspect of your relationships and your life, and then it's it's waning. Um, so. Hormone therapy can be helpful here, mm. HRT, um, systemic hormones, and uh, a lot all the other things. I mean, it's a it's a, a tricky thing. Yeah. I've got a whole chapter on it in the book, actually, and and this changes everything. Yeah, because um, it's not just one thing, obviously, but but getting all of the pieces in place so that you're feeling well and better, including sorting out your sleep and your stress, because those two things are really killers of libido as well. Um, what, can make a difference. Yeah, because hormone replacement therapy is um, obviously one of the things you can do. Are there particular signposts that women, I mean, it's basically probably about getting good medical advice, isn't it? But because not everyone would need hormone replacement therapy, would they? No, not everyone needs it or wants it, or not everyone, it's not suitable for everyone. But if you are having menopause symptoms that are really uh, affecting your quality of life, yeah. then it's absolutely something that you should that you should ask about or or say you know if you want to do a trial of it it's not an unreasonable thing to to expect um to be able to try is it funded it can be life-changing it is funded that the main um regime that you'll be put on usually in new zealand is a is a patch of estrogen so it's a little little patch that you put onto your skin that you say so it's transdermal yeah and then if you have a uterus you need to also have a progestin uh, which will either be in the form of a pill, an oral pill, which is um, also funded, or yeah. sometimes it can be in the form of an IUD, which women do also often have, which is um, the marina is the most common one. Cool. So okay. Right, well, we'll be back in just a moment yeah. with Nikki Bazant. This is the Health Hub, Tim Beveridge on the Weekend Collective. It's eight minutes to five, News Talk ZB. You and I shake off. Yeah, welcome back to the Weekend Collective of the Health Hub, Tim Beveridge with Nikki Bazant. Um, we actually didn't have time for, I've actually taken a message from a caller because we haven't got time to put them to air, Nikki, but it was a question from Beryl around hot flushes in the 70s, in her 70s. Um, a hot flushes, it's a stereotypical sort of menopausal thing, is it? Very common. Um, most of us are going to have flushes. Uh, usually they resolve post-menopause. So once you get through that sort of turbulent time, they do sort of stop. But it sounds like Beryl might be one of the small percentage yeah. of unlucky women for whom they do persist. Um, and that is that is a rough thing. But, yeah, that can happen. Is that a hormonal thing, the hot flushes, or what? Yeah, yeah, it is. It's uh, it's actually a brain symptom. The, the hypothalamus, which is the temperature-regulating part of the brain, is, again, we've got estrogen receptors in all in our brain. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, the, it's the temperature going on the fritz a little bit, the okay. temperature gauge. Um, so causing the Beryl could talk to a doctor about that then. There might be something you could do about it. Yeah, she could. I mean, it would be unlikely that they would put you on HRT at that age. Yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, if it's really distressing and if it's really, really um, 
happening all the time and yeah. and really upsetting, then there might be some things that they would that they would look at. Hey, th- hey, thanks so much for your time, Nikki. Sorry, uh, the time's run out, but I'm, I'll recommend people go and check out the uh, the listener and your article about supplements and if they're in, in fact any worth taking. Uh, good luck with getting over the COVID. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. There we go. That's Nikki Bazant. We'll be back with uh, Smart Money. Martin Horse joins us. For more from the Weekend Collective, listen live to News Talk ZB weekends from 3 p.m. or follow the podcast on iHeartRadio.